Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today my wonderful son has chosen to give us his presence and he is going to talk with me about something that's been in the news as of late. Um, a very uh, horrible tragedy with another shooter. And I think it's about time that we kind of really jump into the subject and talk to somebody who's coped with some of these violent images in his own head. And so my son has been kind enough to uh, say yes to my request to talk about this. So um, kudos to him, and I appreciate your time, Rye. Before we get talking to you, though, I want to remind everyone to stay to the very end of the show where we will have stories from the road. And the okay, 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 great guest giveaway is going to be me again because I'm going to offer you something. All right, Rye, it's really nice to have you here. Um, how old are you now? At 30. And how long have you lived on your own? About nine years now. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? Have yeah. you been in the same place the whole time? No, I've been in the same place for almost eight years now. Yeah, that's really awesome. And there's been times when that was uh, touch and go, right? Sometimes it's hard to make the rent and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. So, so when you uh, first started living there, what did you do for a job? I was working for this small barber shop in town filling products, like shampoo so ba- bottles. Basically just cleaning up and filling shampoo bottles and that sort of thing? Yeah. Right. And then what else did you do for more money? Uh, mowed yards. Yeah, that's pretty. You know, you were kind of my hero because I tell you, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I could never do it. I know I'm always saying, get out there, son, and do it, but <laughs> but there's no way that I could just go door to door with a lawnmower and ask people to let me mow their lawn and make a living that way. So I was always pretty impressed with you. Um, what do you do now? Um, I work at AutoZone. And what do you do there? I mostly deliver parts. Do you work in the store at all, or are you just driving around? Um, I work in the store sometimes, and I deal with the customers. I do the cash register. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. So let's talk about way back when you were younger. Do you remember being autistic? A little bit. Yeah, what do you remember most about it? Listening to the same song over and over again. Being into Roger Rabbit. Oh my goodness, you were so cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you used to. Do you remember that time we had the cameras coming from CBC and they were making a documentary about the prison tour and um, you kept jumping in front of the cameras, going, "Please, Roger Rabbit, please." Yeah. <laughs> I was so annoyed that they never showed any of those cute things. They always try to make everybody look more normal than they are. It's just so silly. Um, Besides, that was adorable. Why did you like Roger Rabbit so much? I guess because 
the Roger Robert character was funny, was uh, outstanding. That's an interesting way to look at it. Outstanding. Yeah. In what way? Um, so he has a sense of humor. His personality's cool. That's so neat. So how did you go from loving Roger Rabbit to loving the Terminator? Oh, well, the Terminator came, like, years later. I know, I know, but that's what I mean. It's like here when you were little, so when you were little, I don't know if you remember this, but when you were little, everything was an adventure, and you were always funny, and sure, you screamed, and you did all that stuff, and you stared at heaters, and you cared about certain colors and whatnot, but you had like a big, huge smile and a great happiness about you, and then something happened when you were, um, I don't know, maybe 12, you think, or 16, when you switched over to like Terminator and being angry. What what age do you think that was? Um, Well... The Terminator thing, I mean, happened when I was 12, but I wasn't, I wasn't this negative, angry person yet. So when do you think that happened? Uh, 14. Okay. So that, and did you have the tics before you became the negative, angry person, or did it come at the same time? I think before. Yeah, probably sort of. That's the way I remember it, too. You were like this happy, goofy, fun person. Then you got into the Terminator, and you started to have a hard time with yourself, and you started ticking a lot. So you were one of the 6% of the autistic kids that gets Tourette's, right? And then you got a lot of ticks. And then it seemed like you got more and more angry. Um, Does that sound right? Yeah, like as I I got further into my teenage years, I got more in it. More negative, more angry. Okay. So here, so let's back up a little because it's interesting that that's, that's the way I remember it. That's the way you remember it. But even before that, do you remember when we lived in Pasadena, Texas, and um, they made you go to the detention center? Yeah, I remember that. So do you remember why? Uh, because... Uh... In school, they were, they gave me a, uh, they gave me, like, the simplest school task, mm-hmm. and and I didn't want to do it because it was too easy. I wanted to be, do the hard stuff like everybody else, and I got mad, and I mean, I, I, mean, I got upset, and, mm-hmm. and then I did something, and they sent me to the principal's office. Do you remember what you did? I don't really remember what I did. You think maybe you threw a chair and spit? Probably. Maybe yeah, it, it matches. It, it might not be the exact truth, but it's close enough. So it's interesting because a lot of Tourette's people spit, by the way, so that that was a, something you started doing for a little bit there. Um, so, okay, so they sent you to the principal's office, and then they said you had to go to a detention. So you went to a new school where they checked you for weapons and what did they? What was that school like? It was pretty security-fied. I mean, it was pretty high security. Yeah. What were the teachers like? A little harsh. Yeah. Like but not... like the um, <laughs> like the army or something. No, not the army. I mean, like you know, you know, like kind of like talk a little harsh. 
Ah, okay. All right. Okay, so do you think it helped you? Uh, not really. Do you think school helped you? Not really. Let's move forward in your timeline. So then we we moved to a nicer area, and you were, actually had a nice teacher for a while there. Um, do you yeah. remember that teacher that got pregnant and and ended up leaving, and then somebody else came just before I took you guys out of school? Yeah. Yeah, she was pretty nice, huh? Yeah, she was. But she still used to call me crying all the time, not knowing how to help you. <laughs> so, um, so I guess you were a tough one for her. You do you remember sitting and doing your schoolwork with sort of a partition on either side of you, so your desk kept you private? Yeah. Did that help you, or was that silly, or was it a good idea? What was it? Um, I think it was a good idea because I used to torment the other students. And why did you torment them? I thought, thought it was funny. Uh, so they were trying to get you to not notice the other students? Yeah. Did you learn anything in there? Not really. <laughs> so it was only a good idea as far as keeping you separate from everyone, right? Yeah. So how were you supposed to get friends? They were a little bit too weird for me. Oh, I see. <laughs> You were pretty weird, too, honey. <laughs> yeah, but they were weirder. Even Dar's in the background laughing at that one. <laughs> yeah. They were weirder? Yeah. All right. Okay, so so basically school wasn't working, and then they took you out of school, right? Yeah. Okay. And when we when we went and lived in the RV and we went to the resorts, did that help? Yeah. How did it help? What did it, What was better about that? I had more freedom. Um, I, I learned a few things. Um, you homeschooled us, uh, having your own way, having our own way. Right. So having, we individualized it, is that what you mean? Yeah. And you started reading? Yeah. Yeah, and you learned how to play games like pool and basketball and stuff because we're at the resorts, right? Right. Okay. And yeah, even though I created that really nice happy life, you started to get ticks and you got that angry thing going. So something inside of you phys- your physiology must have changed unless can you think of another reason or was it just that you got to be a teenager and things went kind of haywire? Uh thing it's the teenager thing. Things yeah. that I, I got to be a teen that I got to be a teenager and everything went haywire. Okay. And the reason that I want to talk about it is because recently, did you hear about that shooting? Yeah, I did. And when I read, I read something online about the boy that did the shooting. It's very sad. And they went on about how um, there was, you know, the mother had um, gone on certain chat rooms and stuff. You know what a chat room is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she'd gone in certain chat rooms, and she'd said that um, her son was Asperger's, which is a kind of autism. He was a special ed student, I think. Anyway, in this article I was reading, they were putting a lot of it to mental illness. 
And since you struggled with some of this anger and whatnot, I thought if you don't mind, we could talk about that. But first, let me tell everyone that you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And we are talking with my wonderful son who's willing to share some of his truths with us so that we can better understand what it's like to feel violent inside and how to help somebody not actually act on those thoughts. Um, stay to the very end where I will do stories from the road and the great guest giveaway. Okay, right, we're back. So, all right, so here we are. We're living in the country. I found a nice part of the world for you where you could go outside and spank trees and act like the Terminator and be angry in the woods. Um, why did you need to do that? Well, being angry in the woods didn't really come until later, so I'm mostly... Like when we first moved there, mm-hmm. um, I was 13 years old, and I didn't really have that angry thing yet. And I went out and spanked trees because it made me feel goofy. And but it was uh, funny. Yeah. Kind of Roger Rabbitish. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so do you remember anything that happened that made you switch, or did you just start to slowly feel different inside? Slowly feel different inside, like you know, I begin fighting with my brothers. Mm-hmm. I was about thirteen and a half. Okay, and so when you got this angry thing, were you having a lot of ticks? Yeah. Yeah. So it probably might have gone together, but regardless, you were feeling really angry, and you started to have very violent thoughts. I remember one time. And this was, you know, later when you were working for that ski resort, which was pretty amazing that you had that job. Um, But I remember you talking about how if the cars weren't a certain way by 2016, you were going to blow up the world. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) And it's next year, so. (laughs) But um, you did a lot of attaching importance to dates and feeling angry about things. Why didn't you... Why didn't you go crazy and really hurt a lot of people and stab or shoot or any of that? Why why do you think it is? Because you had all those thoughts. Yeah. What do you think is the reason you didn't actually do it? I don't know. Um, I guess I was a nicer nicer person. You think? What do you think would have happened if you felt the way you felt and you were going to school and they were putting you in a desk where they didn't let you see the other students or sending you to high-security detention areas and stuff. What do you think would have happened then? Um, I might have, you know, lost my temper and throw stuff and, you know, spit and throw chairs. Right. And so then if they punished you for that, then what do you think would happen? Do you think you'd get better or worse? Probably worse. Yeah, I think so, too. It's why I couldn't decide whether to have you or Chance on, because Chance was starting to fight um, in the schools when I took you guys out. And he had already gotten a ticket for fighting and done some vandalism and stuff. And that's when I took you guys out to get you to be, um, you know, live in the resorts and learn homeschooling-wise. So he didn't have the same level of autism as you. It's why I'm so happy you're willing to talk to us. But he certainly had the anger that you had until we got everybody away from there. Um, So one thing I know is that when, whenever you got that angry, getting angry back at you made it worse. Is that not true? 
Um, I don't remember. Well, it's because I didn't do it that often, but I I remember one time when you were getting really mad, and and I had I tried <laughs> getting mad back, and it looked like you were going to hit me, so I went and made a different choice. Um, so I think I think it's about being having a family that will support you that still won't let you do stuff though at one point remember you were punching holes in the wall and i called the police and and we had to take you to a shelter so that you'd learn that you can't do that and then um and then after that everything got better do you remember that uh is that in california yeah yeah i remember that okay so we made sure or i made sure that you knew that you absolutely couldn't hurt us and you couldn't hurt my things. And then, um, at the same time, what did we do for you? How, how is it that we helped you with your violent thoughts? Because it didn't happen overnight. Even after you had your own place and your own way of living, you still dealt with those things. So what what do you think is it is the reason that you continually get nicer and sweeter and better and better jobs and stuff. What's made it that you've been getting better instead of worse? Uh, neurofeedback. Um, believing that hurting and killing people that is wrong. Yeah. So how did the neurofeedback help you? Um, it uh, made so that my feelings and thoughts are not as bad. Ah, so we helped with something to make you feel lighter and then um anything else i mean you always believed it was wrong but when your thoughts are bad then it was hard to care right yeah all right so what about your sister my sister yeah she's pretty nice yeah you're pretty lucky huh yeah i am she's she's very nice i'm lucky to have her so is she always there for you when you need somebody to tell you how to think and feel happier? Yeah. Yeah, you're lucky. I mean, I'm farther away, so you've been lucky to have someone who'll do that with you. What about um, when you've had very violent or, or thoughts in your head that are really not acceptable socially? Do you feel like you can tell us? Yeah. Do you? Do you always tell us? Like violent and like violence in my head, like uh, yeah, the violence, the anger, the you know the crazy thoughts. Do you do you share them with us? Yeah. And how how is does that help you or? Um. Yeah, it helps me. Okay. So right now it's like I'm feeding you. It's like I'm telling you what to say almost because of the questions I'm asking. So I'm not going to do that now because I want people to really hear a difference and. You've come a long way, so go ahead and just tell people what's made it so that you've become this wonderful man that you've become. What's made the difference? How, If you were giving the world advice on how to help somebody who's going through all those things you went through, besides neurofeedback, because not everyone has neurofeedback, so I agree. I think they should do neurofeedback. But let's say besides neurofeedback, how could they help someone to get as, as awesome as you've become? Um, probably watch movies that that have good things in it. Yeah, you think that's a good nice way? Music. Yeah. Is that your only advice, or do you have any other ideas? Um, have a cup of coffee. Um, 
I love that you said that. That you you said have a cup of coffee because you're understimulated. So coffee works for you like like Ritalin almost. It makes you feel more happy and alive, right? Yeah. Okay, go on. What else? Um, guess that's it. <laughs> so you think you think if the shooter would have watched all good movies and drank coffee, he'd be all better and he wouldn't have killed everyone? Maybe. Really? You think so? Maybe. You might be right, actually. You might be onto something. I think that you've gotten more support than that, but I think there's a lot to be said for the movies that you watch and the things that you do online and the people that you make friends with. So let's talk about the friends that you've made in town. Are you careful to not make friends with people? Okay, let's talk about a couple of instances. You had a couple of friends that made your life harder. Um, yeah. Why? Well, I had this friend named Max, and, you know, he he treated me like crap, and and uh, he took advantage of me. His family took advantage of me. Right. So when that ha- kind of thing happens to you, are you able to deal with it, or what do you do? Do you end up feeling angry? What happens? I end up feeling angry. Yeah. And used. Yeah. So how did you get out of that situation? I stopped hanging out with them. Was that hard? Yeah. Why? Because uh, I had, well, I mean, he had, he had other friends, too. I mean, I guess because it's the only friends I can hang out with. Right. So there's limited number of friends in the town, and it's hard to walk away from the few that you have, Right. Right. What do you think? Is it better to be with uh, friends that treat you bad or no friends? Uh, right now, no friends. Yeah. I think you got to figure it out one step at a time. I think you're doing really well, but, you know, one step at a time, right? Yeah. Okay. So other than coffee and watch good movies, maybe maybe even read good books if you're into reading, whatever, um, and you by good you mean like happy comedies, stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Instead of the Terminator <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and violent movie. It's a, it's actually an important point, and I love that you brought it up. But what about, um, what about the people that you visit with and, uh, and the way that... Oh, what about medicine? Have you ever tried medicine? Medicine? No. Yeah, so you don't... Do you not believe in medicine then? No, I don't believe in medicine. Okay. Actually, you had Ritalin when you were younger, and um, you didn't want to take it, and you told me that it made you feel lonely, so I let you try it. And then when you said that, I said, okay, you don't have to take it. And you use supplements, you use Focus Factor, you use uh, SAMe, so you do use things to help you when you need, right? Yeah. The advantage to those, though, is that you don't get stuck in a, you're not um, addicted to them, so you don't have to worry about coming off them. So one of the problems with the medicine is that you have to worry about when you come off and, and whatnot. So um, so good. It's really awesome. So you're on zero medicine. We do neurofeedback occasionally. You've gone from, can I say your diagnosis to everyone? Sure. Okay, so when you were young, you had fetal alcohol syndrome, retardation, classic uh, infantile autism, 
and uh, you got Tourette's. So you've had all of those things, and look how you're doing now. It's pretty awesome. And and you're smarter than you used to be, so it's really cool, huh? Yeah. Do, what do you think makes you smarter? Feedback to the world. Neurofeedback. Feedback to the world? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, you know, learning stuff. Oh, the information you take in the world and then the way you give it back like that? Yeah. That's. I think you're right. Talking to your sister, talking to us, telling us about your violent thoughts so we could give you new ways of thinking and not punish you for having those thoughts, all of that, right? Right. Does that sound true? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you go, honey. Um this is your moment to say one last thing to everybody. So when you think of all the people out there that are struggling with somebody who has autism and maybe Tourette's, and maybe their child is still in that period when they're still, I mean, most people keep their Tourette's, but we use neurofeedback to get rid of yours. But let's say that they have tics and they're angry and they're hurting the family and breaking things and do you have anything you think that you would like to tell them to get them started so that it doesn't turn into a horrible thing like a shooter? Um, let's see. Well, first let me ask you this. Do you think if I'd have been swearing at you back and yelling and controlling you and trying to do all those things, do you think you could have ended up like that shooter? Do you think that was possible inside you? Yeah, Maybe. Okay, so so what do you think people could do to help their child not become that? Be nice, um, help help them. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to tell you what I think we did, and you tell me if that sounds right. Okay. Um, I mean, I you know, being nice is too soft a word because lots of times I was really tough with you. You know, I said, uh, okay, yeah. that's it. You can't live here if you act like that. And I was very tough. But I was also loving, and and your sister was always always there for you. So you were always had somebody that you could tell your thoughts to, right? Yeah. And we didn't judge you for your thoughts. No. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. I don't believe that's true for everyone. I think most people get in trouble for their thoughts. Does that sound crazy to you? Yeah, a little crazy. Yeah, I know, to me too. I mean, why should you get punished for your thoughts? Everything starts as a thought. But that's where I think people need to help, is in the thoughts. So the first thing you need to do is create a world where someone can share their thoughts, no matter what the thoughts are, so they can get help getting their thoughts straightened out. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now, with that in mind, try and give us some advice. So they have a child who's starting to break things and scream and say, F you, Mom, and all that stuff, and they're having tics and they're suffering, how can that family help that, that child? Um, maybe be how you were. Which is what? How was I? Like you uh, sat down with me and talked with me about, you know, about my feelings. Okay. All right. I'm going to say that I did that with some strong guidance and explanation and no judgment, but I was very strong about what you were allowed to do and not allowed to do as well. I don't want people to think that it'll get better easy either. It was hard, right? It took a long time, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're 30 now, and now you're in a really good place, but it took a long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
And if you all of a sudden have a regression right now and you start to have negative thoughts, would you tell us? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, so I can be helped. Cool. I love you. I love you, too. Thank you so much for being willing to talk about this. Oh, you're welcome. All right. You can hang up. I'm going to close the show. Okay. Bye, Sydney. Well, that was my amazing son, Rye Shelton. I adopted Rye when he was under two years old, and he came with a whole host of problems and abuse history. He couldn't walk, couldn't talk, could definitely scream, and loved to rock back and forth whilst in a standing position. It was like the cutest kind of rocking I'd ever seen. It used to make his hair turn into static electricity, and, and he looked a bit like, <laughs> like um, Einstein against the wall. Um, but unfortunately, he did have fetal alcohol syndrome, retardation, uh, and a severe case of infantile autism. So he was an interesting dude. He he couldn't walk, but he could climb on anything. And I would enter the room, and I'd have to enter the room with my arms out if I didn't know where Rye was, because you never knew he might be on the top of a bookshelf. And he had the belief that you would catch him no matter what. So you always had to be ready to catch him if he came flying at you from something until he finally got to where he could get around on his little legs and walking and running. And then he was so into running that he stopped climbing quite as much. Anyway, that was Rye, and uh, he's been a delight and a challenge. Um, he's come really far. It's still hard for him to use high-level thinking, so he occasionally has difficulty with friendships because other people speak and process so quickly. But he is getting there, and there is no point at which we think he has to be done. So we're really happy with him, really proud of him. Um, he's lived on his own for a long time and done it well. He's had bouts of issues. He's had horrible things happen to him. If you're a follower of the show, you know that at one point a man raped him at gunpoint. So he's had some horrible things happen and still is doing really well. So life doesn't have to um, hand you an easy road for you to be successful, but it does need to have an, a supportive environment. And unfortunately, most of what happens to the kids that have uh, autism especially is that they're constantly forced to change, forced to change, forced to change, but they're not embraced. And I did not see any benefit in the school system at all, and especially with ABA. So I'm going to speak out very clear and loud here. ABA did more harm than good for my kids, and it took me many years to undo what was done there. We called it behavioral modification originally, and then we called it ABA when we came to the States. And really, it just was nothing but damaging, and all I had to do was take them out of school and put them in a beautiful environment and start embracing the wholeness of who they are from their crazy thoughts to their behaviors to just thinking they're just adorable and helping them learn. And it's not been easy. Rye, for example, has lived on his own for a long time, but he's had many times where he ended up breaking his phone or, you know, <laughs> was, was frustrated with money or frustrated, you know, and we've just coached him through all the way. He's doing really well now, but he could have another bout of difficulty. The Tourette's is gone. Um, Luckily, I do know neurofeedback, so I was able to help him with that. Regardless, it's a long road, but it doesn't have to be a road going downhill. It can be a road going up. 
getting better, getting better, getting better, getting happier, getting happier, getting happier. And the way to do that is to be a supportive world, not a judgmental world. Unfortunately, we are a judgmental world. So if we want to change these incidents, things like this shooter, we have to start from the very beginning. When they're little, so that they have the weight of our connection as they go through adolescence and they can survive it. Um, adolescence is tough at the best of times. When you have these diagnoses, it's almost... It's just heart-wrenching to watch. So be there for them at the beginning. Get them used to telling you about their, their crazy ideas and their thoughts. Don't, don't sit someone at a friggin' table and tell them they have to be different than they are. Let them be who they are and teach them their connection with the world, and then perhaps we'll have less of these horrible, violent incidents. I'm going to do the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. Um, I'm going to offer up a code to watch Fix It in 5 for free. It's on Vimeo, and you may watch it. No commercials, no interruptions. If you email me, momforevermore at juno.com, I will send you that code. The first person that sends me a violence is is uh, no, let's say I don't want to say violence is bad. <laughs> I don't want to add a double negative here. Um, no more violence in the subject line, and the first person to send that will get a code. Uh, and then now it is time for stories from the road. Since I was talking to Rye, I think it's only fair that we stick on the Rye story mode. So there was this time where I came home and my daughter says, you're not going to like this, and hands me a videotape. And when she handed me the videotape, I'm what is it? She goes, watch it. So um, she made sure nobody was watching me watch it. I went in, I stuck the videotape in the machine, and I basically watched my one son be abusive to my other son. And he had put it on video because he thought he was making a movie. In all fairness to him, he didn't have a high IQ, so he didn't really understand the extent to which he was hurting his brother. He didn't abuse him physically. He just kept scaring him so badly. Um, And since Star was not capable of explaining himself, and he was easily startled, with Rye running around acting like the Terminator because he'd taken to loving the Terminator and being fixated and wanted to be an actor doing the Terminator moves. And Dar was the only one there, so he videotaped it innocently, not realizing that we would watch this and see it as very ugly. So it was uh, awful to watch, uh, you know, Again, I want you to understand, he didn't, he wasn't hitting him, but he was scaring him so badly. And Dar was so easily frightened that it was just painful to see this and see the lack of empathy in Rai's behavior. And then um, I talked to Rai about it, and truly he didn't know any more than to say, well, you know, I'm making a movie. And he didn't see beyond his part and, and how cool it was that his brother would react the way he did because it made for good film. And I saw myself dealing with this like forever and ever. Amen. And I thought, I've, we just have to, you know, we have to tease this apart. We can't let this boy move into manhood with this kind of thinking. And so what had begun as video ended as video. I actually videotaped him a few more times, and uh, he videotaped himself a few times also when he was in his uh, throes of being upset and 
crashing the house and things like that. And using video turned out to be a great way to teach. And it turned out that we could even learn from other movies, which is why he mentioned movies. I sat him down, and at one point we watched Cable Guy. If you've seen that movie, it's, um, I mean, it seems hilarious to teach social social skills with the movie Cable Guy because the guy is so socially challenged in there. It's Jim Carrey as the main role, and I think it's Matt, might be Matthew Broderick has the other role. Or, yeah, I think so. And um, and both of them are somewhat socially challenged, and what we would do is watch it and pause, and I'd say, okay, why was that bad what he did? Why, why did that hurt the people? Or why was that awkward? Or why was that embarrassing? And they literally took us a year to get through that movie because he was so unaware of the connections between people and the way to the way to motivate the world positively, leaving them with a good feeling in your presence. And so he wasn't kidding when he said, (laughs) show the movies, but he left out that there should be a coach and a guide right there with you explaining every step of the way. And that's how we got him to where he could, you know, he got a driver's license and, you know, got fired a few times and had all these life experiences. And now he's been working for a year for AutoZone. And this is his dream come true job. He always wanted to be a commercial driver. So it's really very exciting that he's managed to do as well as he has. And he's uh, he's still working on friendships because he tends to choose friends that will use him. So there's always a lesson. But there's always a lesson for all of us. What I can tell you is I don't know if we prevented a shooter, but I think we may have. And that's all you can do. Just be there and stop trying to force people into becoming what you are because they're not you. You can't force a special needs person into becoming a non-special needs person, but you can help them embrace who they are and become the best possible person they can be. And that's really what you're there for. You're not there to stand around. One of the biggest things I see all the time is all the adults standing around talking about the problem to solve that is the child. If you're doing that to your child, they're going to explode at some point, and they probably won't tell you what's going on in their head. So don't. Don't treat people like that. Don't treat your children like that. Don't treat anyone like that. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. Thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself and my family. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.